in different seasons of your life, you can have different parts of it. It's like, you know, when you're young, you're like, I want to do it all. And now you're like, okay, I can only do a couple things. So like, let me lean into what like really feels good. What feels light? What makes me happy here? And so that's really been my illumination process. Then you have to have hard conversations. You know, now I'm having hard conversations with things I said yes to a year, two years ago. And it's like, man, I really don't want to have those conversations, but I don't get that freedom from that thing. And I don't get the ability to say yes and lean into those other things of more interest of mine until I say no to that. And I have that hard conversation. So like that, I mean, that's really where I'm at. And like, that's where my journey has led me. And so, you know, now I'm just saying no to a lot of stuff. Well, I'm excited to welcome into the show, Austin Carroll of Blue Key Ventures. How we doing, brother? Hey, good. How you doing? Dude, always good when I get to spend some time with you, my man. And, you know, I think you're somebody that uh, has a ton of wisdom and insight to offer a lot of people that really are looking to, you know, kind of take their their wealth building intentions to the next level. I've seen your journey over the years in how you've transitioned from, you know, just being a, a realtor to, you know, building a massive rental portfolio to doing developments and, you know, really leveraging the power of, of mindset and team and, um, you know, unlocking what is a pretty amazing life. So for those that don't know who you are, I figure let's, let's, let's rewind a little bit. Let's take them back to where all of this started for you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I appreciate the, uh, the kind words there. Um, yeah, so I, I'm in, I'm in Maryland. We're in the Baltimore area. Um, and so, you know, grew up around here, small farm, you know, very blue collar kind of roots. And, um, through some cool kind of circumstances, uh, ended up working for a developer, uh, right after college. So I went to the University of Maryland. So, you know, right around the DC area. And that's really where my career started, you know, two years working for a developer, taking less pay than I otherwise would have, you know, taking some sexier consulting jobs and, and things like that out of college. And so, um, you know, that started my wealth building journey, learning from a, a gentleman named Bo McKeady and his wife, Kimber McKeady. Um, you know, it was, it was the late nights working at the development company where you get the, the cool conversation that like just changes your mindset around money and, and wealth. And then tactically seeing what, uh, what they did, you know, which was the essentially the Burr method, you know, where you're buying something, you're renovating it, renting it and refinancing it. Uh, and we were flipping properties too. So, you know, after about two years of working, not a nine to five, more like seven to seven, um, yeah. <laughs> I had bought my first house, you know, right out of college, renovated it, you know, the nights of just like working on that, you know, get home from work at seven o'clock, hang the can lights, you know, just doing all of that, getting all my, my buddies to get in to do the demo, you know, the typical beer and pizza kind of thing. Um, and then renting that out as a house hack. So that was kind of like my first, you know, I was 21 had that asset. And then it was like, okay, well, like now what? And, you know, I used all my cash, right? Like I didn't have a bunch of money or anything like that. I was making a relatively low salary, although learning a ton. And so then that led me to, okay, well, let me look at some other places, bought something in Hagerstown, did my own burn method. And during that time I said, okay, well, I've, I can't have this, you know, this 60 hour work week anymore working for somebody else. So that's where I said, okay, let me, I work with these agents every day. My friends are asking me how I bought my house. So I, I got my license and kind of became a secret agent at first, you know, where like nobody really knew like a couple friends. I'd be like, okay, I'll, I'll, you know, sell this house for you. I bought my own deals, things like that. 
Yep. Uh, and then I didn't even tell the developer at the time. And then I was like, hey, I got my license. I want to do this full time. So went into their team for a couple months, learned from them, uh, and then moved up to Baltimore from DC. And um, that's really where the investing journey really took off for, for us. And then uh, really built the sales team too. So um, that's kind of where we are today. We, we, you know, through the years built a now almost eighteen million dollar portfolio of single families up to commercial redevelopment assets. Uh, and then the sales team is three of us, two admin, and we'll do around thirty million in sales this year. So I'm kind of cool, you know, doing all that. Uh, just turned thirty, you know, have a daughter, um, and that's that's you know the short story of, of what happened. Let's take a quick break and hear from today's show sponsor. Are you struggling to close deals? Cold outreach can be a slow and brutal process. And in many scenarios, it's just wasting the time of both the buyer and the seller, especially when business owners who are trying to find qualified buyers are using inaccurate and outdated data. But it doesn't have to be this way. With LinkedIn Sales Navigator, your organization can overcome these challenges by leveraging this amazing technology and platform that translates comprehensive, high-quality buyer data into real-time insights and sales. These deeper insights empower sales reps and teams to adopt the habits of top performers, which leads to much better outcomes like building a bigger pipeline with real customers leading to higher win rates and conversions, and of course, larger deals and paydays all around. We call this deep sales and LinkedIn has built the first deep sales platform with the next generation of LinkedIn sales navigator. Right now, our Millionaire Mindcast family has an amazing opportunity to try LinkedIn sales navigator and get a 60 day free trial at linkedin.com forward slash mindcast. That's linkedin.com forward slash mindcast for a 60 day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com forward slash mindcast and get started. I love it. I want to go back to kind of the beginning of most people that I see who unlock some great wealth and and financial success at more of a rapid pace are often people that took less pay and exchanged the proximity to wisdom or, you know, a a mentor, uh, you know, getting that experience was something that was valued over the money at the time. Talk about your mindset when you were first starting out on how important that really was of proximity, having the right mentor and, and, and foregoing, you know, some of what many people just want to paycheck. You looked at it from a different perspective. How did that come about? It was, it was interesting. There was an experience I had during the, you know, during your senior year, you're trying to figure out like where you want to go. And I had an interview at Morgan Stanley uh, up in Baltimore. And I remember walking through and, uh, we did a little tour and it was like, Hey, spend, you know, 10 minutes with somebody that's actually working. So we sat in this like little, like cubicle farm thing. And, uh, there was like a set of four desks and then the middle was like a little table and we were getting there like right at lunchtime. And they were like, um, well, here's what we do. You know, we like process these transactions and he was like, Oh, it's getting on lunchtime. Let me just turn around and just like pivoted himself. And he was like, this is our lunch spot. And it was like the four of them did that. And I was like, this sucks. Like <laughs> you guys are here all day long. And like, you just have lunch here and then, oh, lunch is over. We're going to pivot back over here. And so that was like a, well, I definitely don't want to do that. You know, the pay was good there. And it's like, it, it was a, Maryland's a pretty good business school that I went to. And so like, 
you know, I was a really good student. I was involved with a lot of stuff. And so it's like the sexy thing to say you're going to one of these big firms. And so, you know, it was kind of hard to be like, nobody else went into real estate. Like that was like a really weird thing to do. Yeah. Um, and, you know, honestly, I just leaned into kind of my intuition. Like I'm a very intuitive person. And I think so often, particularly in business and life, like these days, you don't listen to your own intuition. Mm. And so you end up doing what other people tell you to do or like, oh, this path is like pretty safe. And there was just something that told me like, hey, that's not the place to go to. And um, in that time, you know, then I, I had an inflatable movie job where like that was my part time job. We'd go put up these inflatable movies. And so I did it for this, the sales team a couple of times and then was chatting with the CFO about some Tony Robbins stuff and things like that. And so then, then it was just like, you know, the universe kind of conspired after I said no to that to then say, oh, well, here's another opportunity. And it was like, oh, this is cool, like a developer kind of thing. And it was a position they kind of created. So like there wasn't like a posted salary. So I didn't necessarily know what I was getting into. Um, but it was like, this is the place to be. Like this feels right. And I mean, I, I can't tell you like how that changed the trajectory of my life. Like, you know, both from the the people that I'm able to go back to and, and have conversations with these days. I mean, I, I consider Bo a friend. You know, we'll, we'll text every once in a while and stuff like that. And if I ever have a problem, like I know I can call them up, you know, or need somebody. And it's like, man, no, you can't buy that today. You know, yeah. that only goes with trusting somebody. And I look in our organization too. It's like, we kind of have that opportunity for somebody right now to come into like the growth trajectory. And it's like, you can, you can hang out with me, you know, like for, you know, whatever my mindset's worth. And, you know, we can talk about wealth and all that stuff. Whereas like in five years, like you're, you're not going to be able to do that with me. Yeah. In yeah. Our company. Yep. So, you know, just kind of saw those opportunities and, you know, it was really that intuition piece. That's such a, a key part of success, right? Is like, you know, foregoing the, the, the instant gratification of what you think you want or need right now to having a bigger vision and kind of, you know, thinking much further down the road. I, I love, um, Patrick, uh, bet David wrote his book, your next five moves. And he talks a lot about the grand you know, chess master and how they can literally see 20 plus moves ahead. And I look at, you know, business, I look at marriage, I look at parenting, kind of with that perspective now. And intuition is also a big part of that, right? Like tactically, you have to think through things, but then you also kind of have to trust your gut. And a lot of that comes down to, you know, really like putting in the work surrounding yourself with the right people, putting yourself in the right environment. And you said a key word there that I thought was really interesting in terms of trust. And whether it's, you know, somebody deciding to do business with you, it's somebody deciding to mentor you, you know, some of the greatest relationships and opportunities have come from just building trust with people. Yeah. What does kind of your, you know, strategy around building trust and or how do people build trust with you to get into your world? Yeah, it, it's a great question because we see this all the time with like clients, right? Like, you know, you see this with like a real estate client where they're like, hey, like I want to buy this property, but like, hey, my dad said this or like my mom said this. And it's like, look, like if you trust us, then like I'll, I'll tell you where the pitfalls are. Like I'll tell you where the benefits are. But you have to make that decision in the end. And it's funny, like same thing with raising capital, you know, there are people that are going to, you know, you ask the appropriate questions, right? We raise a lot of capital, um, some in, from a debt standpoint, and then other as an equity and like a small syndication kind of thing. And it's funny, you figure out who are the people that really trust you, 
right? Because they're like, I know this guy's character, right? Like, and, and it's one thing if somebody doesn't know me, but man, if you've known me for years, you've seen what I do, um, you generally know uh, to, to trust me, right? And so you you learn that back and forth trust. Hey, the money's going to be there when I ask for it from you. Uh, and then, you know, you're trusting me with your money, right? And so that's kind of back and forth. So I think it's a lot of, it's a little bit of building a story in both of those and showing your validity. Um, but I think it's a, always a two-way interview. You know, I think about, we just hired a project manager for our development company. And, you know, he's the first hire in that role. So he trusted us to say, hey, I can come into this organization and and, and they're going to be able to pay me, number one. Yeah. Uh, and, and number two, I'm going to have stuff that I want to do done. And so we really prepped ourselves for it. Like he knew, like we had a solid interview process. It wasn't just like, hey, come, you know, grab a meal with us and you're going to be good. But we made sure we put in the work to say, this is exactly what you're going to be doing. These are your expectations. Now, this is the first time you're in, a, in this position, anybody's in this position. So it might change a little bit, but like he could see we have documentation, right? Like, so he could actually know and, and trust us in that. And then we're interviewing him back, obviously, just like a job interview to say, can you do this? Can you hit this standard? Here's, here is the standard. Like we're being very clear. So I think a lot of trust comes down from like open communication mm. and then making sure that like each side leaves with like, okay, here's what I'm committed to. If you like leave a situation with like no commitments, it's really hard to build any sort of trust because, you know, we just talked about you lending me a hundred K. We're like, are, are you going to do it? Do you have an action item? You know, like, am I, you know, relying on that now? You know, how does that work? Yeah. Good points. I was writing down some things as I kind of was thinking about that answer, you know, to my own question, which was, I think, you know, people that I've learned to trust over the years or ways that I feel like I've built trust with people is number one, just being like genuine and authentic, right? Like who you are, you know, who you say you are and how you actually are and what actually plays out as a result of your words and, you know, what you say you stand for. Those are actually like genuine and and aligned, right? And they actually pan out as, you know, you you say those things. Hard work, I think, is something that just like people build trust by just showing up and working really hard, right? It's mm. and and the other thing that I was thinking about was having a like a proactive plan, right? Like if you have taken the time to think about a vision and have a plan behind that vision and then consistently execute on those things. It's hard to be able to argue results with people when you consistently show up and execute on something over and over and over again. And talking about some, right, you talked about commitments and and follow through. I think those are really important things. And those have obviously led to some massive opportunities for you over the years. Talk a little bit about as you were first starting to build your business, starting to build your wealth, you know, uh, the kind of famous line of, you know, say yes and figure it out later. Eventually, right, you have to start thinking about taking a five-lane freeway of saying yes to all these things and starting to narrow it down to your your fast lane. Like, how did you approach saying yes to opportunities? And how did you determine what you were saying yes to? And then obviously, I know you've really kind of narrowed in on, you know, some of your sweet spots and starting to say no to things like what does that process and journey look like for you yeah yeah it's so true you know because in the beginning it's like i can point to so many things that came from me saying yes you know 
Yeah. And, um, and, and even now, right. Like a, a lot of it's like an intuitive decision mixed with like, is that a priority for me? And something that I spend a lot of time recently, you know, thinking about is actually when I say yes, it should be tied to my identity. And it's funny. I just did a, a Facebook post about this the other night. We were in Punta Cana last week and, um, I, I had my daughter, she's 19 months old and terrible sleeper, just like not good at sleeping. So we're in like a new environment, you know, like she's just having a hard time going to sleep. So I just threw her in the baby carrier. You know, we walked out to the beach. It happened to be during a, a meteoroid shower. And so like, you know, we see these shooting stars up there and like, you know, in that moment, all of the business stuff, like all of the identities that I struggle with, am I a realtor? Am I a team owner? Am I an entrepreneur? Uh, am I a developer? Am I a flipper? Right? Like, at what level am I all of these different things? Am I a healthy person, right? Like all this stuff. And it was like in that moment, like I'm just I'm just a dad, right? Like I'm a father mm -hmm. to this like other being that's like right here. And like, she doesn't know anything else. Like um, she has no concept of any of that. Yeah. And it was just like such a beautiful moment to just say, you know, my post is really about like, who am I? It's this identity decision. And so now what I'm thinking about, as I've said yes to a lot of things, right? Like I'm on two boards, uh, of, of nonprofits, you know, I'm on our leadership committee for the brokerage and part of all these different mastermind groups and things like that. And it's like, I'm not really doing any one of them really great other than development. I think like that's, you know, we've really, really honed in on that. And so that's telling for me is, okay, well, that's where I'm going to spend my, my time and spaces in that development, because that's the identity. If I look, look out 10 years and you said, Austin, you are the best realtor ever. I'd be like, ah, I mean, that's cool, you know, but if you're like, man, you transformed communities by being an amazing developer, that like, that fills me with joy. Mm -hmm. You were a fantastic father and husband, like that fills me with my joy. And so I can start to rank those things and ask myself in 10 years, if this was my, you know, great identity, would I be happy with that? Or is this other thing, you know, more important? And in this season of my life, you know, I struggle a lot with the the um the the be do have right like i can only be so much i can only do so much i can only have so much yeah and so um in different seasons of your life you can have different parts of it it's like you know when you're young you're like i want to do it all and now you're like okay i can only do a couple things so like let me lean into what like really feels good what feels light what makes me happy here um and so that's really been my elimination process and then then you have to have hard conversations you know now i'm having hard conversations with things I said yes to a year, two years ago. And it's like, man, I really don't want to have those conversations, but I don't get that freedom from that thing. And I don't get the ability to say yes and lean into those other things that are more interested of, of more interest of mine until I say no to that. And I have that hard conversation. So like that, I mean, that's really where I'm at. And like, that's where my journey has led me. And so, you know, now I'm just saying no to a lot of stuff. Yeah. I think as you, yes, is a good way in the beginning of your journey. And I think there's maybe different stages of that journey, right? Like when you got into development, you started saying yes to a lot of things to then figure out what you start need to say no to, to kind of narrow it down, right? Like yes is a great way, I think, of opening doors and creating opportunity. Yep. And eventually no is the way that you maximize and optimize that clarity you gain by saying yes and getting a lot of those experiences. Yes is like, putting more data points up on the board, but no eventually allows you to connect all the dots to have the most efficient way of maximizing what those data points have allowed you to step into, right? Yeah, that's a great way to put it because when you have enough data to know where I want to go 
and like I'm happy with that, like there's not more that I need to add to that, then, then cool, like stop yeah. there, right? Yeah. And then like, and then when you feel yourself start to get antsy or bored or something, then maybe you want to say yes to some more stuff. But yeah, when you have enough data points, it's a great way to put it. You know, that that's all you need, you know? Yeah. So as you have started to build your businesses, as you've started to really kind of take things to that next level in terms of wealth building with your finances, with organizational efficiencies, like what have been some of the tactical strategies that have served you maybe over the last 12 months in your business? Yeah, I think one of the big things, like I've always been big about vision, you know, and um, I think that's one of my superpowers is I've, I've always been able to say like, this is what we're going to do. This is the plan to get there. And then like, you know, forecast it out. And I think one of the challenges that uh, we've really worked on over the last year is to say, how do we check into that more? Because like I can live there a lot, right? Like that's in a lot of ways, like when you're experiencing pain through your companies, because, you know, there's a time crunch or you miss this or that, or, you know, whatever it is, my solution was always to go back to the vision. This is what I'm doing it for. It might, it might really suck right now, but like in the end, when we've got that, you know, million dollars of passive income coming in, you know, and we were able to change this community and we're able to like really bring these spaces back. Like that's what we're doing it for. And so the big exercise for me that I think is is really tactical, and it came from me actually teaching a class where I was teaching a class on, and a portion of the class was time blocking. And it was like, man, like my calendar doesn't really reflect that. You know, that was, that was a little over a year ago. That was like, I look at my calendar and it's got my important meetings on it, but I mean, it's not super tight. And so, you know, I, I made the commitment as I was teaching that class is like, I'm not going to teach this again until I'm really fantastic at time blocking. And so that's been like this past year of like really filling it in. And, and I'm like a huge like freedom guy, right? Like I want to like, don't tie me down. Like that's like the worst thing for me. And so I felt like for a long time that if I, if I time block stuff, if I put it in my calendar, it was tying me down. And it's hard to explain to somebody like that because people used to explain it to me that like, no, it's freeing, right? <laughs> yeah. And, and so like, that's all I would say is like, now it's freeing. And, and now actually like I color code stuff and like my VA goes in and like tells me how many hours did I work last week? Cause like I'd be talking with my wife and like, oh, I feel like I didn't work much this week. She was like, there's still like a lot. And then I, and now we can go to like the scorekeeper, right? Like my VA and my calendar, yeah. like how many hours did I work? Where did I work? Like what companies was I working in? Yeah. Um, so that was like one one portion of it. And then the other portion of it is really getting like these, these cadences of weekly, monthly, quarterly reviews of stuff. And so now it's like, okay, when the month hits, I know like when it's over, we're closing out our books, we're reviewing what happened last month. I'm looking at intentions we set at the beginning of the month and saying, okay, did we hit these? Did we not? Um, I'm actually, I'm, I'm doing things like taking notes as I'm listening to podcasts and reading books. Uh, in a separate space. And so at the end of the month, I'll go through and I'll review that. Just another rep of like, because you'll forget stuff so easily. So, oh yeah, that book, like I remember I learned that and I wanted to revisit that. Like, let me put that on this upcoming month. And so that just like that cadence of accountability for yourself has been super, super helpful for me. And, and it's in my calendar. Those two things go together, right? Like my calendar, now I time block that time. So I make sure it gets done and it like, you know, or moved like worst case scenario. Um, and so those two things have, have really transformed really my feeling. Like I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I feel really free now because I know exactly how, how it gets done. Are you interested in boosting your income by an extra $50,000 this year? If so, you're going to love what I've got in store for you. I am beyond excited to officially announce 
an incredible opportunity to join me in my exclusive mastermind, which will include myself and 25 other hand-selected investors who are actively pursuing commercial real estate in 2024 and want to be held accountable to making sure they buy their first or their next commercial real estate investment property that will net them a minimum of $50,000 a year. This mastermind group will not only teach you how to do that, how to find, how to analyze, how to structure and buy these types of commercial real estate investment properties, but you'll also have an opportunity to be a part of an intimate group of high achievers that are going to take your network and your resources to a whole nother level. But here's the catch. Like I mentioned before, this is exclusive. We're only selecting 25 ambitious individuals for our founding members group who are serious and ready to take that next step in their commercial real estate investing journey. So if you are ready to increase your passive income by at least $50,000 in the next year with commercial real estate investing, then this is your moment. These spaces are gonna fill up fast and trust me, this is the one and only time to be a founding member, which comes with some pretty special benefits. So head over to myfirst50k.com and submit your application now. Again, that's myfirst50k.com. You can head over there, check out the program, see everything that it entails, submit your application to join, and I can't wait to connect with you soon. You're somebody that I really admire in terms of how you kind of keep the balance and the, and the structure and the organization behind everything. And I know as entrepreneurs, as business owners, a lot of us, we're messy, right? Like we're constantly touching a lot of things, moving from here to there. Like velocity is a part of just our DNA. We move fast and that can often create a lot of chaos as well. Like how do you kind of, and that's why I know you're a very aware a person, and then you create structure around that awareness and kind of build those bumpers, you know, to your bowling alley of life and business. So you're not kind of bowling those gutter balls, right? Constantly hitting pins, strikes and spares. Like what does that strategy or, or kind of tactical framework look like for keeping your finances organized, your businesses organized, your marriage, your, you know, dad time? Like what does that look like for you? Yeah. I mean, a lot of it happened, you know, like that organization comes through pain, you know, like I, like I was very typical, like, you know, uh, my mom always like makes fun of like my backpack was just a mess, right? Like you open it up and then you've got the people that are like my binders right here. It's like this. Um, and so it's funny because it's like this natural version of what you do versus this adapted version. And, um, and I actually, you know, over the years, I really leaned into the adapted structure of things because you kind of have to have structure in order to have the vision. And I knew I wanted to put that down on paper. And so then you just back into it of, of the structure. And the, the question that came up that really brought a lot of this organization um, for me was just, how do I keep from doing this same thing again? And there was also some times where like I would read a book and I'd be like, what did I learn from that book? You know, I, I'd read half a book and then, you know, you're two weeks of, of things happen and travel, whatever. And you come back to it. I was like, man, I forget that first half of the book. And so like the, that, I just kept asking that question and it, you just keep answering that question. And then you spend a little bit of time on that. And so it was like, okay, I can spend 15 minutes and set up this Google drive for me with books. And then now you know, and then it's a minute every time I'm done reading of, okay, let me hop on my phone. Let me, let me, you know, type out what were the big things that I have, you know, the 30 seconds of going and finding a highlighter for my book, because I think really smart people mark up their books, 
you know, and like, I didn't do that for years. Right. And so like, that was another like tactical thing of like, okay, I'm, I'm just going to walk over there, grab that pen or highlighter. And then now I can just flip through the book at the end and say, oh yeah, that was really impactful. I, I really liked that. And so, and then I think getting feedback from the people around you too, you know, like, did that feel good? Um, my, my main partner in my development business, he's been my best friend since we were five and we built a lot of trust. And like, it, it's a really cool thing to be able to work with your best friend. And, you know, it was like, okay, I need to be structured and show him what to do because he's a more structured guy. Mm. So that's also really helped me. You know, my wife in a similar way is like, okay, let's, let's do this cadence of, and, and it's been a growing, growing thing since we had a, you know, our baby, we, get, we have another one on the way here. So it's like, okay, we gotta get really structured with it. And so it's like, okay, you know, how do we make sure every Sunday or every Friday, those are two times that we'll, we'll touch base and say, we're going to ask ourselves the relationship recharge questions. And it's like, okay, wow. I feel like great after that. Like we're connected, you know, and like if we miss it. It feels like out of, out of step there. Mm-hmm. So it's just like building all of these things, but it's like putting a little bit of extra effort when you think of that stuff and not saying, Hey, I'll do that later. And if you're good at you know, with your calendar, then you'll just put it in your calendar for next week and then you don't, don't forget it. Right. Yeah. And so like, I really like, those are the steps that build to them being an organized person, even when your brain is so out there and you want to do everything and you want to just be free. Like those are the steps that, that I've kind of taken. Love it. So shifting a little bit more on the wealth building front here and what you've done, you know, kind of looking backwards to get to where you're at today, what does the next iteration of your wealth building journey look like? And how are you kind of planning for that heading into 2023? Yeah. One of the big things that happened to us in in 2020 is we went from just being, you know, these single family, small multifamily developers to, um, to getting some commercial assets. And actually the office building we're in right now, I'm doing this podcast from, we own it. And it happened from just like taking the next step, right? Like we like, we didn't necessarily have the confidence to do it, but like we had everything in place. And so this deal kept like banging against us. And it was like, it just kept showing up in my email. I was like, ah, like this, the numbers look so good. It was like bringing in $14,000 a month right now. It's a $1.5 million acquisition is triple net leases. So a lot, a lot less expenses. So I was like, that almost hits the 1% rule where, you know, your monthly income is uh, the amount that you would purchase it for. And so it was like, ah, but it's such a good deal. Somebody else is going to get it. Somebody that's more prepared and just kept coming up and coming up. And so that was a big transition point for our business because we ended up obviously buying it, you know, renovating it. And it was like, we bought it for 1.5, put 300 K into it. And then it's worth 2.5, you know, we took uh, rents from 13,000 to 24,000. And so like, it's been a fantastic deal. So now we've added that as part of our business. So for our development side, we really look at two things. We've got our small development stuff, And what I found is a lot of developers, when they get to the ability to do the bigger commercial stuff, they stop doing the small stuff. You know, they stop doing the thing that got them here. And we really looked at each other and we said, hey, like, we can keep doing this. We just need to put a system behind it. And so that's where our project manager came in and our system said, hey, we can keep, we can churn out, you know, 15 to 20 of these small deals a year. And then we really, you know, we're spending our time focusing on the, you know, two big deals a year. So that's really like, as we project out, I like to think in two year chunks. So for the next two years, we're going to do the same thing. We're going to do 15 to 20 small deals for 20 or more units. And then we're going to do two larger commercial deals and acquisition over a million dollars, a heavy value add to have an exit somewhere on, on the uh, 
number of 2.5 million or more. And so like, we're just going to do that for two years. And then year three and four, we're going to step it up. You know, we're going to build the infrastructure during that two years to be able to do 40 deals on the small side of the year. And then three big deals. We're going to do that for two years. And then we're going to step it up again, right? We've got two years to build the organizational structure to it. And then in year five and six, we're going to be doing four big deals and 60 units. And so, you know, that's where we kind of look at we're, we're giving ourselves a little bit of time in between to adjust. It's not every year we're jumping up, although it naturally will happen like that. Yep. Um, and so that that's really what we're looking at in the future. And so now we have to ask ourselves, what financial systems do we have to build? What people need to be backfilled during those years? You know, what are the, uh, the things that we need to be doing and what do we not need to be doing? What's our lead generation system? You know, like, and, and so now we can, we can take this esoteric thing that's going to happen in six years and we break it down to four or five systems that we just need to say, is, is that good enough for now? And is that good enough for the next two, four, six years? And it just comes down to that. I love that you're talking about systems, right? Because that's something that most people know is important, but often overlook, right? Good quality systems with good quality people equal consistent results and growth. And how have you gone about creating systems? Is it you who does it? Do you delegate it out? A lot of questions always come in around how do you create systems? How do you track your systems? How do you optimize your systems? What does that look like for you guys? Yeah. And and I'll be clear, like I'm not a systems guy, you know, like that. Like I I think those visionaries aren't, right? Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. But like what I'm good at is is the vision, right? And so that vision is inherently, if you think about a vision, like there's a system behind it. And so um like my strong suit is not the detail of putting everything in. What my strong suit is, is getting on the whiteboard and just thinking logically through stuff. Yeah. And so what we'll typically do when we, when we need a system is like, I'll get on the whiteboard. Uh, my best friend will, you know, he'll sit down or, you know, whoever I'm building it out with, usually it's him. Um, and I'll just say, okay, like what's our problem, right? Let's actually try to define our problem first. And then like, what's, what's the systems. And one thing I'm a huge observer I think that's also one of my superpowers is just observing and being able to recognize patterns. And so I just watch, right? And so like, if you just ask questions and watch, like these days, you don't even have to ask that many questions. You can just tune into your podcast. And if you're good at asking questions, I can just, you know, benefit from that, right? Right. And so, so I just, you know, I think about, okay, well, who else has done this system before? Or who can I ask if I, if I haven't heard anything or observed anything yet? And like, let's just put an iteration together. I think so much comes from just like doing, you know, and then, okay, cool. Like, let's just live with that for a little bit and see what that looks like. And then Will is usually the guy that's going to go in and he's going to fill it out a little bit. Or anytime I'm hiring, like that's always part of the description is like, you're going to build out this system better than what it was before, or or you're going to build it. Like there might not be a system, you know, like right now our project manager is like building out like all of our like tracking systems. And it's like, cool. Like he's doing that. We're having a weekly and then a monthly review to check in on it. I might give some pointers based off of things that either I've done in the past or I've seen from other people. Yep. Um, but, but that's kind of my strong suit. Like I just, the first is recognizing of the system, which I think that's where most people fall flat, right? Like they don't think that, Oh, we need something here that can be replicatable. And then the second is really visioning it out. You can do that so many different ways. You, I think you should do it with the team and the people that are going to be doing it. And then from there, it's like filling it in. And, and that's where I, I don't do great. Although I'll, I'll kind of edit it afterwards and say, oh, I think this was missed here, you know, or whatever. So that's kind of our, our, you know, current 
way that we do the systems and, and things like that. In terms of lead generation, finding these opportunities, right? I've seen you really accelerate how many deals you're looking at every year, analyzing, offering on, and taking under ownership. What has been your strategy in terms of lead generation and finding these opportunities? People always think there's some, you know, silver bullet or, you know, secret sauce. And really there's a lot of different ways that work. What works well for you guys? Yeah, I think we're a little unique in in how we've done it um, because we do no self-lead generation, meaning like we don't do any mailers. We don't call anybody. We don't have a cold calling team. You know, my thought has always been there are people that are doing that hard work that are really good at it. And for our deal flow now, you know, I think we did 15, I guess 17 deals last year, right? I have plenty of deal flow coming from the multiple list service and wholesalers. And so like, that's really been like our big thing. And then there's like a little bit here and there of like, just chatting with everybody and letting them know that we're looking for deals. Like our landscaper at this building said, Hey, the guy that I do landscaping for over at that building has talked about selling. And so maybe you should chat with him. Right. And so like, you know, some of that's a little bit organic, but I think for the large part, most people think that they have a problem with deal flow and they actually probably have a deal with analyzing or a problem with analyzing deals. Like they don't know how to analyze deals. Yeah. Like sure. A great, great, great deal is going to hit you in the face. Right. And then you're going to be like, Oh, that's a great deal. Right. Yeah. What about those ones that are like a pretty good deal? You know, like, are you good? And can you separate that out from the pretty bad deal? You know? And so when I was working for the Mankiti group, the developer out of college, we had a hard time finding properties. And that was one of my responsibilities. Because I, I couldn't manage any projects if I didn't have any projects coming in the pipeline. Yeah, right. And so um, what I did was, you know, I was searching the MLS every day. You know, the agent would give me a report, and I would literally run an analysis on every property. Two million dollar condo, like I know it's not going to work out as a rental, but like let me run the numbers and see. And there were some surprising things that that came from that. The biggest thing that came from that was analyzing thousands of properties. And now I can look at things and say, oh, like that's interesting or quickly relegate it out. So, you know, and, and then I just went on Facebook groups and networking things, handed out my card everywhere. Wholesalers sell their lists back and forth. So like you start getting deals, I got deals came from Oklahoma today, like no interest of me, but like maybe they have a Maryland deal. So like, I'll, you know, I'll sort that out. And so now I, you know, I run through probably 20, 25 deals that are wholesale deals coming to my inbox. And then I've got the uh, I've got small parameters set up on an auto search on the multiple listing service, and, and that gets us everything that we need. Yeah, for now. Yeah. Now we're going to build a, a different system so that it can turn it up and turn it down. What I don't like about that system is I can't turn it up really. Yeah. But it works for us now, right? Yeah. And I, I think you you hit the nail on the head with something that's really really important, right? It just reminds me of Malcolm Gladwell's you know ten thousand hours to mastery, and if there was one area for building wealth at least in terms of real estate, it's looking at enough deals and analyzing enough deals to do exactly what you said, be able to spot that one outlier and sift through all the others. Because for every one good deal you get, you're probably going to look at 200 or 300 or 400, maybe even 500 mediocre and or bad deals, right? I remember when I was first starting, that's how I cut my teeth too. When I was wholesaling you know, a bunch of houses to Invitation Homes and Blackstone, I was analyzing hundreds of deals a week. You do that for three or four years at a time, you're looking at thousands of deals. And then eventually, right, you go, 
I can look at a deal that, you know, in the beginning took me an hour to analyze one property. I can go through 50 or 60 properties in 30 minutes because you just start to pick up through repetition key metrics and, you know, important variables for what equals and leads to a great opportunity. So for people that are, you know, early on in this journey, I think it's really important to say, I, I need to master a couple key parts of this wealth building equation in deal analyzing, whether it's apartments, whether it's, you know, office buildings, RV parks, single family houses, whatever it is, like really getting good at that. Where did you build the confidence and the, you know, actual skill set for analyzing deals? Because I think a lot of people Mm. struggle with like trusting in themselves if they're doing it right. Was it through Bo? Was it through books? Was it through podcasts? Like what was it for you? Yeah, I think it was, I mean, part of it honestly is through doing deals. Um, And I think, you know, it's funny because a lot of people, particularly in the beginning, they would look at, they would see me and they'd say, Austin's a pretty risky person. And like, I was kind of like in ways I kind of took offense to that. Cause I'm like, I actually like, I'm very risk averse, you know, like in, in just a, a really weird way. I just think about risk differently. Mm. And it's funny because nobody teaches you how to think about risk. Like that is just something that like right. comes a part of your DNA from your friends, your parents, uh, your friend's parents, right? Like all of your job, right? Like your probably your first mentor is like a big person to like, you know, teach you risk. And like, I just, I just came to the decision that like the most risky thing I can do is not buy real estate mm. is to have a nine to five that I hope my retirement is going to be enough in the end. Um, and, and, and that's what I'm going to do. And that's what most people do. And so that was like, you know, a, a little background for my thinking about risk. And then you just like, you do some deals or you just go alongside of some people. And that was one of the biggest benefits of being at the development company is, you know, we we never really had any big losers, but we had ones that were definitely not as big of winners as, as others. Right. And so I could see, oh, well, like that's not that hard, you know? And then I think the other thing is just like doing a little bit of work to figure out where I can get rid of that risk. And so if you're analyzing a deal, you can do the work of getting quotes, right? And so if you're like, man, I'm really not good at this construction, well, like do a little bit of the work of like, okay, well, like, let me see if I can get 10 contractors out there. You know, like, let me see if I can risk a $500 earnest money deposit to see if I can like, just get some more information here. And so I think like, that was certainly something that we did a lot in the beginning. Um, And so it's really the confidence of analyzing tons and tons of deals, being able to see, you know, probably 30 or 40 deals that I did at the development company. Um, and, and, you know, see, okay, well, where are sticking points and stuff like that? And then really just taking, you know, the chances from there. Austin, it's been a pleasure connecting with you today, brother. And it's always fun chatting with you about life, business, wealth building. It's been honestly, dude, amazing to see, you know, what you've done in just a really short period of time. And, you know, kind of seeing that, that hockey stick really start to take off in your, your career, your business with, Many people listening to this, they're probably going to want to reach out to you knowing that one, you're an amazing teacher, an amazing mentor, and you consistently put out value. Where's the best place for them to do that? Yeah, um, certainly check out, you know, you can friend request me, Austin Carroll on on, um, Facebook. Uh, Instagram is Austin Carroll RE for real estate, Um, two R's and two L's in in Carroll. Um, And then, you know, honestly, if you want to shoot me an email, it's acarroll at kw.com. Uh, two R's and two L's. And uh, and my admin looks at it too. And 
Um, so, uh, so hopefully it's not too flooded, but yeah, happy to uh, provide some guidance and, you know, uh, I'll usually post on my Instagram if there's classes or something like that, that we're doing as well. Um, you know, try to get some content on there. So yeah. Thanks for coming on the show, man. Cheers. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, man. Well, that wraps up this week's episode. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that interview. And if you did, all I ask is that you share it with somebody else who maybe needs to hear this today, or that could gain some value from something that was talked about or discussed in today's interview. You just never know one piece of information, a conversation, a tool, a resource can completely transform and change the trajectory of someone's life or their business. So if you get any kind of value or you want to support the show, all we ask is that you help us organically get this in front of more people. Also, for those of you who are really looking to accelerate your wealth building journey and unlock more financial freedom, get more time back and just level up your life, your business, your finances, be sure to head over to therichlifeacademy.com to check out all the amazing products and resources that we offer to our Millionaire Mindcast family, whether that's one-on-one coaching with me, courses from our guests, all kinds of free content, downloads, checklists, upcoming event info on how you can connect with us live, in person, all kinds of great valuable tools. You can get that over at therichlifeacademy.com. Last but not least, I always wanna know, who do you guys wanna hear me interview next? Let me know, shoot me a text at 844-447-1555. With that being said, until next time, keep investing in yourself and your wealth on your March to a million and beyond. Cheers, my friend.